Blog Talk Radio. In order to be free, you have to know the truth. Pastor Lionel Gant seeks to use the truth of God's word to help stop the tide of violence and mass incarceration used to enslave people all across this nation. Now, the word of truth by Pastor Lionel Gant. I am looking for freedom, looking for freedom, and Glory to God, glory to God. This is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. Pastor Lionel Gant coming to you live. And we're coming to you live right now from Atlanta, Georgia. And I have I have my mentor on the line. I have I have uh uh my 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 DeKalb County president on the line with me, Brother Nathan Knight, who is uh who has been a a pillar in our community for a long time. And uh, today I'm going to let him come to you in his own way to talk about the history of the SCLC, to talk about the history of the leaders here in Atlanta, and to talk about the civil rights struggle and where we are today. And and so, Brene, I'm like for you to please, uh, Mr. President, I'm going to ask for you to identify yourself uh, talk about the cab where we at right now with the cab county and uh and then go on into the going into the subject for the day where are we at in civil rights today good morning i'm i'm nathan knight president of cab county and uh we are we've been on the, in the struggle for a long time now and oh, we yeah. continue to win some and we got some calls that's been very, very close that we should have won. In DeKalb County today, we have a young man who uh, was found, a police officer was found not guilty for killing him at his home. And uh, this is this is a, a very unusual thing for uh, you to be at your home, not committed a crime nowhere, in no form and no sense, and a uh, person moves into your neighborhood and declare and call the police and say that you are breaking into your own home. This is sad. This is really sad. Sad situation. But this is what has happened. You know, Reverend Gant, mm-hmm. over the years, we dealt with a lot of different issues from the uh, McCurry case where a young African-American woman was beaten by police officers with, uh, with a baton unmercifully, um, and we had to boycott and uh, threaten to get justice and get justice in the court system in DeKalb County um, for that type of uh, situation. The Anthony Hill case, where mm-hmm. a young man was naked, Air Force veteran, not committed a crime, hadn't really done anything to hurt anybody, yet he was killed by a police officer, the key, uh, where neighbors called him out. Uh, to, to help this man who was in distress, he was having a mental a breakdown, and they killed him. Um, uh-huh. And here we are again. We're in a situation where a police officer shoots and kills an unarmed man in DeKalb County who was at his own home doing work and trying to be the good citizen that he is 
had never even had a parking ticket, yet he was found uh, murdered. And I said murder. Murder is a word that people are afraid to use when it comes down to describing the actions of police. But when a life is taken, unjustifiably taken by anyone, it clearly is a murder. It's a killing. A life is gone and gone forever, never to return. That family will feel the pain of that until the day that they leave, leave this earth. Matthew Zellock Williams is whom I'm talking about, Lita. Matthew mm-hmm. Zellock Williams, a young African-American homeowner, um, uh, been in his neighborhood eight years, owned his home, and a neighbor who had not been there uh, a year um, called the police and said that he was breaking into his own home. He, he denied that. He asked the police officers why they were at his home and that uh, uh, they need to identify themselves, and they did. They identified themselves. He ran onto the back of his house and jumped and came, got into the house uh, because he thought that he, he was under attack. Mm-hmm. These people came out to his home. There's no altercation. There's no, uh, uh, there's nothing that had taken place for them to even be called there. And, you know, we found out later on that there had been conversations. So they knew the house that they were visiting was one where a young man could possibly uh, be having an episode. And that's what happened. But, but Nate, let, okay, let me, let me, uh, before we go into this, let me, let me, let me get back in the, get back in the word because this, this is, this is right on time with, uh, with, with the word of God. And, and today I'm coming out of the book of Deuteronomy and I'm in the, uh, I'm in the sixth chapter. I'm in the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. And I'll begin to read at the 13th verse where it says, this is God talking to his people, okay? And and it says, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. 14th verse, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are all around you. 15th verse. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you. Least the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. Okay. Okay. We, we are living in such a dire time. That okay, and I, I was a police officer, you know, military police officer. Uh, you know, I served over 21 years in the military. Okay, never had an incident where I where I was called to uh, 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 someone's home, which I was called to people's home many times, uh, where I had to, where where I couldn't talk down a situation where I couldn't uh, deal with. I mean. How can a police officer be dispatched to a home, okay, go to that place, 
see a man there and, and approach them and that end in gun violence, end in murder, okay, that, that shouldn't even happen. That shouldn't even happen, okay? Uh, and, then, and then we're facing a situation where this is happening all the time. It, 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 this is not some, This is not a one. This is not a one-time occurrence. Okay, you are naming off many occurrences where this has happened, and you're just talking about the Cab County. What about the rest of Georgia? How many times is this happening every day? Okay. Uh, now we, we talk about twelve cases. Huh? We got at least twelve okay. cases that's before the courts that have not been ruled on. Okay. We got okay. a young lady that was thrown out of a police car, killed, while in their in their possession, and uh, she was thrown out of out of a police car and was killed. Okay, but hey, you remember you remember the case that you brought before the the audience, uh, uh, I think a couple of years back, or a year or so back, where the young lady was at the was at the. Uh, was at the uh, at the gas station begging money or something like that. Can you yeah, go into yeah, that? that what happened to her? Yeah, that was a McCrary case. McCrary okay. was Miss McCrary is a young person who who was beaten by a police officers, beaten with a baton mm-hmm. simply for being black and uh mentally challenged. And that was the reason. The police officers came to the service station on Sherman Service Station over on Greenwood Road. Katie McQuarrie was in there. She had asked someone uh, for a dollar or a dime. You know, we got a a situation in our community where we got a a large homeless population, and they don't have Uh money for things, and so they have to ask. And she had done that. But she had committed no crime. The owner of the store, I spoke with them. Uh, I knew Miss McCurry had her to do uh, different jobs and things around there sometimes for money, and they'd give her the money. And uh, on this particular day, a police officer came there, approached her, and um, with no confrontation, no cursing, no attack or anything, attacked the young lady, beat her down on the floor with her clothes and everything, sprawled on the floor, uh, it was horrific. It was a very horrific situation. And um, mm-hmm. this is intolerable. This is not something that you do. This is not something that should have happened. Her rights were violated. She was violated as a human being to be beaten like that um, for being born black in America and mentally challenged. Mm-hmm. You see, Alita, uh, Mr. Lamar out in Clayton County, had a seizure at the steering wheel. His car struck another uh, vehicle, which happened to be a, a big truck. And uh, a young lady witnessed what was happening, and this car veered around the truck and, and moved slowly down the road. The lady called the police, and they told her, stay where you are. Uh, we got people in, in the area that can handle this. And she left and pursued the man. Uh, his car went into an embankment. And she approached him with a gun and told him that she would shoot and kill him. And that's what she did. She shot and killed him. You see, this uh, uh, vigilante rule 
is something that has been uh, facing African Americans in the South for hundreds of years. And now mm-hmm. you have these kind of altercations taking place, and a man loses his life, a wife loses her husband, and children lose their father because of these type of actions, and they are not tolerable, and we're still, that case is still before the courts. She was given a bond, and the first bond, uh, the, the, the judge came back and ruled it no. We, we, we got to take that bond back because she violated the bond. So they gave a second bond and put her on home, put her on the ankle bracelet for killing a man, killing an African American man. She's mm. got an ankle bracelet and she's got another bond. And to this day, she's yet to go to court for the crime that she committed. And probably so, won't. <laughs> well, you know, Lita, uh, as long as my eyes blink, and my mouth can move, I've got to be there to make sure that she can get her day in court for the murder that she committed. Now, nope. there's no way as an African-American man that if you shoot and kill anybody that you're going to end up with a bracelet, ankle bracelet on and be able to stay in your home and go about your life as though nothing's taking place. But this is what has happened. So, they twisted. They're trying to get us to focus on Victor Hill over there and that sister who happened to be the sheriff and focus, do not put our attention to the murder that has taken place. Mm-hmm. We can't do it. So in the next week or so, I will be over at Clayton County asking for justice. Okay. Asking for justice. This stuff is intolerable. Right down the street on Memorial Drive, not too far from where you did a Stop the Violence. We did a Stop the Violence rally on Memorial Drive up from uh, the Tupac Center. Right. Yeah, right right within blocks of the Tupac Center. Mm -hmm. A homeless man goes inside of the store. A clerk of the store comes from around the counter, shoot and kill the man in cold blood. You know, I, I just don't understand how people can uh, be threatened by a person that doesn't have anything, not trying to hurt you in any form or any way, and you move from a, a, a place of safety from behind a counter to go approach a man, shoot and kill him in cold blood, and then rifles his pocket and rob him. But that took place. And I can say that I'm very glad that that case went before the courts and the, and the judge and the jury saw the truth of what took place and ruled against the owner of that store. And so we got, mm-hmm. we got victory. We got justice. But we got a man that's murdered, and we got a family that's, that's grieving because of the actions of people that come into our community, operate businesses and stores, and they have a problem with language and make decisions arbitrarily uh, that they could make in their homeland but cannot make in this land and murder and kill someone. But I have to say that uh, justice prevails, and that person is uh, incarcerated 
and serving uh, a time for the crime that was committed. Well, Brene, you know, America portrays itself as the as the knight in shining armor, as the as the as the symbol of justice around the world, and they're giving millions and billions of dollars overseas to support other war efforts. Okay, which they're not doing anything to support the poor and the and the homeless and the and the mentally challenged people that are right here in America. Okay. And then I have to look at, you know, the civil rights organization. Okay. You know, it, it's like it's like Bernate, like when the cameras are going, you know, they wanna be out there and they wanna be seen. I have to look at the church body. We got churches on every corner. But how many churches come out to help us when we're when we're fighting for these causes, Bernate? I mean, what 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 would you say to America? What would you say to the civil rights agent? We talking about NAACP. We talking about National Action Network. We talking about all of these civil rights organizations that are out here. When people are being shot down, people are being mass incarcerated for no reason. Most of the people that's in jail are in jail falsely. And where where is the church at? Where is the voice? of those crying out at, why are we often on these picket lines by ourselves? Lita, that is something that has to be fixed. But, you know, it is a grave problem. Civil rights organizations across this country are not actively involved in the real issues that is facing the communities. And I will not sit up and say uh, something different than that. The truth is the truth, and it has to be spoken. We have dropped the ball. We can find 10,000 things to take up our time and energy and not one reason to take up uh, a cause that can affect a man or woman's life from the possibility of, uh, of, of beatings, from the possibility of shootings, from the possibilities of lynching. We are, we are a parallel state, and uh, it's better for me to go and deal with Procter & Gamble than it is for me to deal with a situation in my community where somebody is being shot 75 times inside of a closet with no gun and defenseless. So this is where America is, but it's a place that Americans got to leave. In 1957, Dr. Martin Luther King established the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Over 113 years ago, the NAACP was set up. Later, uh -huh. you had the National Urban League, the National Congress of Black Women, and you had a series of other organizations that came that uh, came to stand up and defend a uh, black man, a young we're, we're boy. Talk about, talk about the students now. Don't forget about the students. Yes, sir. A young boy, um, 16, 17 years of age, wrote a, a paper to the Atlanta Journal Constitution deploring the lynching that took place at Moore's Ford Bridge of, of a couple of a babies cut from a, a mother's stomach. Harry S. Truman was president in Washington, D.C. When kids from Howard University and other schools in the area and the people of the community rioted in Washington, mm -hmm. D.C. in uh, 1946, dealing with the, the killings that had taken place here. These horrific crimes, and you all have to excuse me because I know the families, and I am 
one of the actors in the Moors for a Bridge, Mr. Prophet. And I've been actively involved in this with Tyrone Brooks and Cassandra Green and others trying to get uh-huh. justice. Uh, we got a we got a, a semi-victory at the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal three years ago uh, that was rescinded by the Supreme Court. And we're trying to get down sealing of the of the documents dealing with that. But you know something? If you go down to Montgomery, Alabama, to the, the new museum that's opened up there dealing with uh, lynching, you'll find out that every state in the union have thousands collectively of lynchers that never went resolved. When I say never went resolved, they don't go through the, a court system uh, to try to find justice for the people that did the lynching. Instead, they find candy, peanuts, and sandwiches for the people that, that did the lynching versus heaven for the families and the victims of the lynching. Georgia is no different. We are, the world's got to change. You got to understand that there's a hatred for the African-American man that's in this country, asking for mm-hmm. rights, asking for reparations, asking for justice, asking for the land that was stolen and taken from him after he got out of, of, of slavery and, and, and fought in, in, in the armies of this country, the war against the states, World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and the conflicts that's taking place right in this country, undeclared war. Mm-hmm. And we're still victims. My father was in World War Two. My father-in-law, who just passed, 90 years of age, just passed, was in World War Two. These men and women gave their lives, came back, and could not even see their families, could not get jobs after returning from the war. The wars. My brother-in-law got a steel plate in his head from the Korean conflict. I got a brother that's retired from um, several uh, police agencies and national agencies that uh, uh, that was in the Marine Corps. People now are being afflicted with water that they drink because the, the military system did not protect them. If they mm-hmm. don't protect our military, who's supposed to protect the defenses of this country, how in the heck are they going to protect us? When you look across the across the aisles to uh, the politics of our day, there's nothing in place uh, for the veterans who have to go to a veterans hospital to get a treatment. There's nothing in place. He has no, that's the last stop that he can make before he uh, returns back mm-hmm. and trade his life back in for a different life, a spiritual life. So this is the America that we're in, and we got to understand that that America is not correct. That is not the America that's supposed to be the democracy that serves all, and we are not represented by that America. We came here, students of the movement of America, and I mm-hmm. say students of the movement of America because we came here from Africa where we were artisans. We were men and women who were taught and could build and create darn near anything, and that's been seen by the number of trademarks that have hit Washington, D.C. African-American names, not on them. Whites have taken even trying to take the mind of African-American and the rights 
up to the intellectual properties. There is no vindication. There is no right place. There is no way that we can get what we need if we can't come together and be unified. We must become unified. That's yeah. the thing that's going to change. If you are voting and you're not unified, then you don't have a vote that's going to mean much anything. You must uh, unify with your community. That which will serve you and protect you and help people elected to office that will serve and protect you. People who speak up about the issues that will protect a child that's going to be raped or molested in a community by uh, our oppressors. Mm -hmm. Racism is real. It has not changed. The hearts of many men have changed and uh, they're willing to do good. But until they stand up and let us have the same rights that they have by the Constitution that's supposed to serve all of us. Well, you know, when when the Constitution was written, you know, it was not written for us because we were, you know, in a state of, of cattle slavery, you know, at that time. And, and even though, even though, the, you know, the Constitution has been a standing document for all of this time, it has to been, it, when it comes to black America, when it comes to us, the Constitution has to be amended to even to even allow us to be a part of that. And so if it has to be amended, that means that we wasn't included in that. You know, we were not included in that document, and we're not included today. We do our birthrights do not give us the right to vote. They are they have changed the laws because that is the way. I know that many of my Indians Americans in uh, in this country they say the white man speaks with a fork of tongue. Well, That's he's got to split down his tongue like that of a snake. And I'm, I'm going to say it because I, I, it's the truth. The truth of the matter is that. The Constitution do not serve us. Okay, okay, and then I have to go back to our leadership. Okay, when we when we talk about when we talk about you know the treatment of our people in this nation. Okay, if we go back to if we go back to the the the, the tactics in the teaching of Marcus Garvey. Okay, if we go back to the teaching of W.E.D. Du Bois. If we go back to the teaching of Booker T. Washington, we're talking about three three people that had a different vision. Now, now we got all of these different organizations, and we got all of these different people that are out here speaking for saying that they're for America, but they are divided. They they, they 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 won't come together on on one solution. I remember when President Obama was uh, elected, and he called for a meeting, and he brought all of the black leaders from across the nation to his office, and he asked them, "What do y'all need me to do for Black America?" And they had no solution. They had no. They, you know, one said we need jobs. One said we need this. We need that. Okay, well, 
none of them had any kind of solution for the problems that we're facing today. They are still killing our children in the streets. They're still us down. They're still, you might as well say it's modern-day lynching, what they're doing to us now. They're lynching the wombs of our women today through, through by the sterilization of the women, offering the women to come out of prison, you know, if they if they agree to be sterilized. They're, they're coming up with, they're weaponizing the word, they're weaponizing the food to uh, literally wipe us out, to sterilize our men. So, 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 talk about that, Brene. What, 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 where are we, where are we at, at Black America? We got all of these different, different leaders that are out here. But what is the, what is the practical, practical solution? What is, what should we do for civil rights today? I, I think that civil rights have elevated to a point whereby people uh, uh, choose that office to admit that the changes that have taken place have been minimum and that we continue to be victimized by the process. Leader, you, you cannot say that uh, you have a, black people have a mental problem greater than that of other uh, races in this country because we, we, we do and we don't. We do because of the systematic system of racism that's been enacted upon us and there's been yeah. no one to offer any form of treatment collectively right. for for what has taken place. So when you when you look back and you see the cruelty that's taken place and look at the the drugs that are coming into our community, uh and uh, the people who are allowing that and they're elected officials. These are elected Randy. people. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. These these people who are elected are the ones who are Making it possible for the docks to be uh, open uh, to the to the drugs and things that's coming in from other nations, the chemicals yes. that's been manufactured that are used, those chemicals are made by some of the largest chemical companies in America, sent to these places to process the 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 raw materials into the drugs that come back. And when you look at the skyline of America, I don't care what state that you're in. During the time that they said that we were in a crisis, a real estate crisis, mm-hmm. the skyline of America changed, and the heights of buildings started to go up all over this country. You see, if you got drugs coming into this country, you got guns that's going to be uh, smuggled, sold, bought, legal and illegal, and the victims are always going to be the poor. The, those are the people that they hot, they're venom on. Mm-hmm. They're not have a choice in the matter. So you got thousands of people that's on drugs. You got thousands of people, people that's mentally challenged. You got thousands of people who are victims of the predatory efforts of racist organizations that don't have to declare themselves. Fifteen years ago, I'm tracing the Ku Klux Klan down at the, at the Capitol, right here in Georgia. Today, they stay in their offices and suites. They don't have to come out into the streets no more because they got us doing their, their buying. Their, they got us carrying out their edicts. We are killing ourselves. We are mm. murdering and, and molesting and raping and robbing our families. And so the Klan and those that represent the Klan and finance the Klan, they don't have to do so anymore. 
because they laid the groundwork through all this, all the all the drugs, all the guns, and all of the mental uh, anguish and mental uh, 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 adulterating of the of African American minds to the point that they could sit up in their suites and count their dollars and let other nationalities come in and continue to do the same jobs. So you got dollar stores all throughout community that does not represent us. When you go into the court system, there's no such thing as justice for us. It's just the jail or just the hell. The hell comes mm-hmm. from the guns and the jail comes from the racism and the structure of justice by a system that do not recognize. That system was put into place. It never intended for us to have rights. And right. people can't, what we're talking about today is not things that you can say, go on television and radio and talk about because people will not let you. The suppression of your rights starts with your voice. Voting is only important. If you come together as a group and decide that what changes that you want in your community and what leaders will exact those changes for you, this is America. And but I, this, I is not, said, this is uh, not a democratic process. I, we said billions of dollars yeah. going over where our people are being killed by a, a, a communistic government supported by America and others down the line, directly and indirectly. You know, mm-hmm. if you give a man a slingshot and tell him to go out and defend himself, he's going, to be, he's going to be murdered. He will not be able to defend himself with a slingshot. And the type of action that um, our country is giving to, to, to the communists, is not going to do be effective, and it's okay. not right. Well, it's not right. Well, it's not well, right for those people to have to die, and it's not right for us to have to die. You see, hold, hold, World hold War Two. Hold on a minute. Now we when we got to keep it, keep it, uh, keep it. You know. I, I understand, later. Okay. I, when 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 they declare war on drugs, when we talk about the drug war. And how it affected how it affected us. The drug war was not fought in Buckhead. The drug war was fought down on Bankhead. Okay, and then they came up with the maximum sentencing, where they had where they came up with the theory of three strikes you out. When they came up with the maximum sentencing, you know, if you got caught with with five with five rocks, you know, you went into a felony system where you could get twenty years. The same amount of time as somebody getting for committing murder, our boys were being charged with dope crimes, okay, to to the field of the jails, okay, and we we came and that's why that's why as the SCLC I presented the package for them against to stop the violence, but also we had to stop the mass incarceration. Now I'm going to ask you about, and I hope and I think you're familiar with what happened in Chicago with the Safety Act, with the so-called Safety Act, where, where for all of these major crimes, you know, um, they're going to they're, they're, they're gonna just treat, treat them like a traffic ticket. They're not even, gonna, they're not even going to uh, force the people to be arrested for those things. 
what do you think about what do you think about that uh, as far as how how they're uh, they're mad they're mass incarcerating us now they're trying to empty out the jails and give people permission to kill each other. Well, Lita, it's it's a process. I think it's organized genocide. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, from one aspect that took place before, and and the aspects that took on what happens when the people come to an uproar. They have an uproar about what is taking place. Uh, rather than bring a solution to the problem, they ease over to another area slyly and creates another problem while you're looking for a solution uh, for something that is uh, uh, paralyzing your community. They're trying to create another situation for you to deal with. And this is the way the uh, colonialistic system was designed in its very beginning. There is no place for us to have justice in a colonial system set up. Mm-hmm. In America, Argentina, and other uh, places of, of fields of influence uh, that exist, I think they call it extraterritoriality, um, during the time they were putting all this stuff together and uh, outlining and um, uh, delineating what parts of Africa would be uh, owned and controlled by what country. You had the Dutch companies and you. This is why you got the, the jealous up in uh, uh, North Africa right now. Uh-huh. Uh, mining the dimes, the, the, uh, the diamonds and the gold. Uh, right, this thing is so complex. going on in uh, Haiti. And right now, even here in Georgia, they found uh, mineral deposits that's in the ground right now uh, that they're going to be, uh, that they're going to be, Mining for the electric cars. These things are happening right before our eyes. But Bernie, you know, you've been you've been a, a, a noted historian for us. I mean, you've been you've been a symbol for us in the SPLC for a long time. Going back to your childhood when you were selling papers and 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 actually meeting Dr. King and going to those things. I want you to hit on those things. But I want you to talk about. I want you to talk about, uh, 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 you know, our civil rights leader where you're trying to get the statue for, uh, uh, st- the statue put up in DeKalb County, to, uh, you know, to note one of our noted uh, civil rights leaders and some of the things that we're doing here locally uh, to, bring, to bring notice to the, uh, to the uh, patriots that served us in the, in the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Well, leader. I first want to say and acknowledge that your work, your work for the for the last three decades that I am aware of has been at the center point of the issues that we have talked about uh, so far. Stop the violence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Stop the violence. You, mm-hmm. this, you, you brought about this and the effort of this, and uh, we continue that effort. And the Cal caliber stop the violence was more your ability to be able to foresee the future. The murders and killings that was taking place, they were running rampant. Stop the violence. And mm-hmm. uh, we needed the churches and the schools to be arm in arm with us on trying yeah. to prevent this. But the educational programs that needed to be enacted 
be uh, reaching out, getting out of the churches and walking the streets and being their neighbors in the community in the streets where the, where the problem is didn't happen. It didn't happen. Mass incarceration. Don't stop the violence. Then the next thing is imprisonment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, yeah. Our children that couldn't find jobs in the in the in, in the in their community and in the streets was forced into labor, working for a dollar in some cases and zero in others, and money uh, for the benefit of private manufacturing companies to use their labor. That was a continuation of, of slavery. Mm-hmm. And 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 mass incarceration have led to so many other problems that you have to look at it. You got killing yeah. taking place because of drugs, and then you got a mother who can't feed her, 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 her child because she don't have a man in the house to help uh, uh, weather the storm of the cost of living. Stop the violence. Well, not just stopping the gun. It, it means the freedom, the free up of the dollar. Mm-hmm. It's just a violent for a person to be broke and can't com- com- take care of themselves in America as it does for a person to be uh they have it, the, the laws in their community instituted against them. We got mm-hmm. violent acts all through our community, from economic violence. How you doing? Good day. From mm-hmm. economic violence, and, but we got love in, in, in the hearts of black men and women that won't go away. That keeps us alive. Reverend Hosea Williams came out of the yes, service, sir. Sir, the World War II, 1946, comes home. Cannot vote, want a little bit of water. And before anybody knew anything about it, this man was beamed down because he drank water from a water fountain. And this is a story that most people don't know. When I think of Reverend Hosea Williams and, and all the work that he has done from Forsyth mm-hmm. County to every county in, in this country. The lieutenant that put his head on the line every time that Dr. Martin Luther King said we need somebody, he volunteered. Well, That's today right. we have gone before the commissioners of DeKalb County and we asked that a statue be built in the courthouse square in honor of Reverend Jose Williams. All right. And, and we've got very strong support from two of the commissioners. But we need movement on the CEO for DeKalb County. We need movement from those who are being solemn on this issue. It's all right that John Lewis is going to uh, a stature. We got other people, the men and women who have served this community that need to be honored and remembered. And Jose Williams is at the top of their list. And so we're hoping they move forward. You know, it's not an ultimatum, but it's a fact. They don't move forward. They're going to see the rest of the camp SCLC because we're not going to tolerate the indifference shown by commission, not white or black. Mm-hmm. I, am very, I have to go online and say that uh, Commissioner Terry has been forthright, and I have to commend him for the position that he's taken in helping us with this fight. But I got those who are still solid. And if they sound about Jose, they sound about you and I because he represents you and I. And so it's time for me to expose them. I'm going to let the election get out of the way, but I got the rest of the years until they are, uh, are elected. 
are moved from office. Those who are standing fast and not not moving to make and have a statue of Reverend Jose Williams for all the work that he did. Atlanta, okay. as a, um, a city well, council let me, person, let me, let me, and let me, the county Brene, as a commissioner. Brene, let me clarify this for our listening audience out there. What, what 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 President Knight is saying, he's the president of the Cab County SCLC. What he's saying is that 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 we're petitioning right now for for a statue that gives honor to Dr. Jose Williams. And not only that, but Dr. Jose Williams, he has a he has the Feed the Hungry program that's been going on for how many years now? It's, that's oh, been, oh, that's forty years. Okay, okay. So, so, so we need to we need to look at the things that uh, that our leaders have done, and 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 we're living in an age now where we're dealing with a millennial generation, but they they don't even think it's necessary for them to vote. They don't even want to go out to vote because they feel like they vote don't mean nothing. What do you have to say to this to this generation that's out here today? Well, leader. Uh... We inherited this generation by the two generations before it that failed. Failed. They got the new cars, they got the new houses, and then they ignored their families. The men ignored uh, their responsibility in the household, and the women uh, thought the uh, entertainment aspect of what was being projected to them by television and movies and theaters. So now we got a generation, two generations, actually, um, you got uh, two generations who are of age that could make a change, but you got their parents that didn't make a change that bought the yoke dope. They bought, they bought the idea of, a, of an America that included them, and so they let the movies direct their actions. So they got a child that is um, a victim of drugs, and they got a, a daughter that is a victim of abuse, and um, they become children, fathers and mothers early, and they don't understand how this country works. They don't know where they are in this country. They are distanced because the mother and the father cannot educate them because they themselves didn't get the right kind of education. The... African-American community has a responsibility in this, and it goes to every church in, in, the, in this country. It goes to every black business that's in this country. Every black man and woman who has a job and has had a job and enjoyed the, the, the fruits from the works that took place in the 60s has a responsibility in this. How do you correct it? Well, let me tell you, the student movement of America this started with Dr. Martin Luther King when he made that telephone call to the Northern Journal Constitution and uh-huh. announced what was taking place. It didn't start there. It started over in Africa where men and women, black men and women, were learning their trades and their crafts and building societies, building uh, 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 pyramids, creating products from the science and the math that they are uh, that they started and learned early on and passed to other groups. The student movement started with us, and it was interrupted when, when those who, who came from other countries saw their, their way of stealing and taking the process of, 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 of uh, 
of growing and producing food and agriculture, taking the tools of agriculture and making making them to tools of war. Mm. Walking us across the deserts of Africa, we will uh, be put into ships and forced to, to come into this country. Even on those ships, our minds are still ticking because uh, of language. They try to, to use language as a barrier for us to, to be able to communicate, tell the story. But it didn't work. We got generations that, that remember the stories, and those stories went down the line. Remember the, the scientific equations that was in, used in math and science to produce things, and it was carried forth. The student of the movement was on those boats and ships when men and women decided to jump off the sides of them and die rather than uh, be brought to a country and become enslaved. Tools designed and remembered so those same tools can be replicated when they got to the corn, right to get to the new world that they was going to. Mm-hmm. Food transported in the cornrows of hair, the seeds, so that the food that they eat will be a good and nutritional for us. And we eat those same foods today. The student movement of America started in Africa, and it came. It settled in places like uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And from there, it went across through the country. You see, the student movement of America continued until uh, uh, young people, Harriet Tubman, and uh, Booker T. Washington, George Washington Congress, and others took their knowledge and weaved it into something that um, America used and be beneficial. Through the movement of America continued until four young boys at NC State University stood proudly and said that we will sit down and eat quietly and be served. And they were denied. So the movement continued in Nashville, Tennessee where young Bernard Lafayette, Diane Nash, uh, stood and said, oh, no, we want the same in our schools that you have in the others, and so we're going to sit down and we're going to protest until that day happens, until F.D. Reese down in Selma, Alabama. Let them know that, look, we have teachers and educators, but we can stand up and be black today. And they stood up, leading the teachers' movement. And what? And, and South Alabama, they're there to the signing of uh, the Voters' Rights Act with Linda Bain Johnson in 1960. The student movement continues today. Some of the same kids that uh, don't know their way that they're going to find their way. You see, along the way, somebody touched somebody that touched somebody. And in 1958, I was touched by Dr. Martin Luther King. He had no idea that I would be his leader. Had no right. idea. It was not about players, not something that I saw. But he saw something. And he touched. And so here I am. I'm here. I am a student of the movement of America. And there are thousands of us that are still there with the seed is yet to come and grow and be fertilized and stand up. And so these kids who have lost their way, they're going to find their way. They're going to find leadership. They're going to find purpose. We are going to be proud. I will not die. I'm 75 years old. I will not die until I see the fruits of the student movement in America that came from Africa. All right. All right. 
All right, I love y'all. you. I love Hold my on. people. This is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. We're down to our last uh, 10 minutes. And, Brene, uh I am moved by you coming on the broadcast today. And, you know, you know I love you. But I want you to tell the story. Take a, take a, I mean, you're going to have to be quick. But tell the story of how you were selling those papers and, and met up with Dr. King. It was 1958, the one on 1958, Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, every Friday, I would get my newspapers and go and sell them in the community. Particular day, walking down Gulf Street, over at the campus across the five-foot five wall, was dresses and hats and cars like I'd never seen before. African-American men and women are on Bennett College campus. I knew they weren't students because I knew how the students dress. I knew they didn't have the cars. But there, there were, on that day, hundreds of people there gathered to hear a man speak. And I didn't know who they were waiting for, but I saw people in cars and went to one of them. The car I went to, there was a guy with his legs hanging out. Ralph David Abernathy was his name. I learned that later. I didn't know then. I asked him to buy newspapers for me, and he said yes. He would buy one. And the man sitting beside him, Samuel Harvey, I knew his name. He would become the first president for Louisiana of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And the guy that was standing on the outside overheard the conversation that I was having and turned around quickly and asked me, young man, do you know what's in that newspaper? And I looked. I knew it was a preacher, but I knew all the preachers in the area. There was something uniquely different about all three of these men. They spoke different. And uh, I said, yes, I know what's in the paper. And I began to tell him what was on page six and what was on page eight. You see, I sold the newspaper because of the people who was in the hospital. The newspaper that I sold had your your room number, had your address, and the church that you attended. And I sold more newspapers because I knew that information. And if they told me what church they attended, I could tell them what room one of their uh, friends were in. So when I told him this, he said, wow. He said, you do know what's in that newspaper. But, you know, I didn't know what was on the front page concerning the CIWA tournament because it wasn't important to me. There's a boy. I was interested in how many papers I could sell and what motivated me to be able to make that sale. So there I was with Dr. Martin Luther King asking me questions about a newspaper. He said, well, I'm going to buy one too. And so I sold three newspapers that day, and he pulled out the quarter out of his pocket and paid for them and told me to keep the change. Boy, he became my friend. You see, <laughs> in order for me to make Oh, I made two cents off each paper that I sold. I sold three papers. I made six cents. But when he chose to, when he chose to give me the whole quarter, it was no longer six cents. It was six cents plus nine cents, which was fifteen cents that was going to go in my pocket. Uh. And that was the day that Martin Luther King and I became friends. You see. He invited me to a place that I didn't know nothing about. He invited me to Montgomery. He had a church there. He, he spoke about that. He spoke about his father and the, and the ministry that he had in a city called Atlanta. And I, I, I didn't know what he was talking about. 
but he gave me an invite. And I lied at that time because I gave him an answer without knowing if it was ever to come true. I told him I would come to Atlanta, and I would come to his church to hear him preach. Well, that same year in June of that year, he was stabbed by a lady in Washington, I'm sorry, in New York City. And he was stabbed. My heart just dropped. Our black and white television blurred the name of that man. I could see his face. I didn't know how important he was to our, our race. I didn't know the works that he had done. But I do remember him. I remember him from from Bennett College, and I remember him from the editorial. But I also remember that when my daddy saw him looking at the news one night, he said, that's the man I told you to stay away from. And then I learned that he was a rabble robber. You see, <laughs> Dr. Martin Luther King was a man that my father told me to stay away from. And I'd already broke that. I'd already, I'd already violated that trust because he didn't give a description of the man, what he looked like, and how I would know him. Well, Dr. King was stabbed that year, and my heart sank. Mm-hmm. Dr. King was 29 years old when I met him. Ten years later, after he was stabbed, I had no idea that this man who caused me to cry like I never cried before in my life, when he was murdered in Memphis, Tennessee, killed by bullets at the Lorraine Hotel. Oh, I grieved, and I still grieve today. I'm 75 years old, and I still carry the grief for those moments in my heart. What would this world be like had he lived? What would this world be like had those around him protected him and not sold him out? Well, my brother, it's become a better place because of men like you who took up the banner and continue to fight to this day. All right, y'all, this is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. We're down to our last we're down to our last minutes. Bernadette, I'm gonna ask you to pray us out, please. Can, can you pray us out? Ninety seconds. Yes. Oh Heavenly Father, we know that you've been with us every step of the way. Yes. And it's Lord. been a it's been a long, a long journey. And I know that you're not gonna give up on them because you've given us your grace. You, we are living on this earth by your grace, and by your grace we will be brought into your, your field. And, Lord, I want you to, to reach out to the men, women, and children that can hear my voice and hear and feel your energy to know that you are not going to forsake us and that the journey will be fulfilled and democracy and all the love that we're supposed to have for one another and fellow men, that it will be had for us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all, this is the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And we had the distinct pleasure of having Brother Nathaniel uh, on our on our line today, the president of the Cab County SDLC. Peace and blessings.